0: Hey guys, Joe Miles here with Osseo Gear. This is the Mission Whitetail podcast. We're gonna be doing a deep dive into what it truly takes to kill these mature bucks. We're gonna step outside the box and look at the why for gear, tactics, training, and more importantly, the mindset from over 35 years of chasing these magnificent animals all over North America. Thank you for following along and welcome to Mission Whitetail. Alright right, guys, Mission Whitetail episode 49. We are at an Airbnb in Pennsylvania at the Harrisburg Great American Outdoor Show, and we have got a bunch of whitetail addicts sitting here this morning, a diverse group of guys. Uh, I'm going to let each guy go around and introduce himself and say where they're from. Uh, but this is something completely outside the box. We've never done anything like this, almost like a round table. So I think it's going to be a pretty cool conversation. Round couch. Round couch. Ca- well, a square <laughs> couch. Square couch.
1: <laughs> Rendell, go ahead, man. My name's Rendell Eric, and I'm from Iowa.
2: I'm Justin Simon, uh, I live in West Kentucky. I'm originally from
3: Maryland. And uh, appreciate you having me on here, man. Yeah,
0: absolutely, buddy. Thanks for
3: being here. Adam Hayes, the Ohio State. <laughs> how'd, that, how'd that playoff run go for you this year? <laughs> Joe Miles, uh, South
0: Carolina. Tarif Alcatib, Texas. Let's drill down on Texas a little more, <laughs> like uh, what part, what county, so everybody can come out there and start leasing property. Yeah, yeah you got honey yeah. yeah. hole out there.
4: So I'm in North Texas. I'm on the Texas-Oklahoma border, and uh, I live in Grayson County. And I hunt Grayson and Collin counties. And what's unique about where I'm at is they're archery-only counties, and they've only been archery-only counties since they started a deer season in in Grayson County back in uh, the 90s. So that obviously helps with pressure and uh, letting those deer get mature and get those giant racks on them.
0: And you have killed some absolute freaks. I mean, I think one of them is the state – record
4: typical correct yeah I think there was one taken this year that may beat it so well uh, um, we we don't
0: don't even talk about (laughs) that but I mean but but it's every year you
4: were on world-class deer out yeah yeah I've been fortunate enough like the last uh four years now I've doubled up every year and uh so this past season a 183 and a 169 so that's a heck of a year yeah yeah so um heck it's going good and uh like I said I I give it all to archery only I mean just low pressure and and uh, they get a chance to really mature.
0: Yeah. So, so, what's interesting about this group of guys is everybody here is a whitetail nut, a bow hunter, and ab- obsessed with it. I mean, it, it's all consum- Everybody sitting here right now from January 1st to December 31st is thinking about whitetail, doing something to get better at whitetail, driving our wives or, con- or, or, or significant others absolutely crazy with whitetail. And it's, it's diverse. Like we've got Iowa, we've got Kentucky, we've got Ohio, South Carolina, Texas. So a lot of our listeners are from all over, right? We just don't have a Midwest group or a Southern group. We, we get guys listening from all over. So what I thought would be interesting is to go through each guy's, like, maybe approach to the season and, and what their go-to – quote-unquote tactics are or strategy for their areas. H- who wants to start? remember <clears throat> you want to start? Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, so just, just go um, go through, like, you and I, well, I mean, EHD wiped you out this year. Yeah. But talk about, like, a normal year. What What is your plan? Just walk us through your year. Like, we're, we're in uh, February right now. Obviously, trade show season, you're, you're the ICO trade show manager, so – You're going to be on the road a lot, but let's take that out of the equation and say you were home doing normal stuff. What would be your plan up until the start of season?
1: All right, so I'm really big into postseason scouting. So that's my number one thing right out of the gate right after season ends. I just start scouting as much as I can. I'm primarily looking for bedding areas during postseason. Sometimes I'm looking for scrapes and rubs and Secondary food sources if you can find them, but mostly primarily beds. And then I'll do that all the way up till green up, then I'll do some turkey hunting, and then I switch in the summer. In summer, I'm mostly glassing, rolling around, identifying food sources, checking a lot of that stuff, trying to find bucks out, Um, glassing, hanging mock scrapes. Some guys hang mock scrapes post-season, I usually wait till the summertime and put them out, and then... Do a lot of gear prep, get everything ready during the summer. I'm not a big go-out-in-the-woods-in-the-summer-and-scout kind of guy. It's hot. There's crap everywhere. You can't really see anything. I'm just relying on the intel I gain from all the postseason stuff when it's fresh, and you can see the landscape. And I usually go to, like, I'll run through places that I'm used to, but I, I like to go to a lot of new places every year, so I can add to my database of places to hunt. Try to find new deer herds. Or if I seen a buck during the season that was really big, I might circle back and spend more time in that instead of just blowing through it, checking. But And then, you know, shoot the bow, get all the gear, bells and whistles. Usually running behind on that stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can't get it all done. No. I mean, you you do what you can.
1: At all. Then I'm usually starting to plan, like, what states I want to hit. I'm more of a freestyle, just kind of like, whatever. Oh, I'm gonna go here, here, and here, and most of the time I don't even go to most of those places. I just like, I'm gonna go here instead.
0: And and most of your stuff is public, right? Yeah, I hunt hunt like like a lot of public, public. Which is uh, again this diverse group. We got guys that only hunt private. We got guys that hunt only public. We got guys that hunt a combination of both. So pretty pretty neat. To hear, like, that added challenge of all public,
1: huh? Yeah, well, I'm poor, so I can't really afford <laughs> land. <laughs> so it's just what I'm what I'm dealing with. I do got free permission, but I got it for a reason, and yeah. it's not very, you know, it's is like, crap land. It's not yeah. good. But every now and again, like, during a rut, I pay more attention to that because mm-hmm. I don't kill any does off my free permission. So I think that pulls. I mean, every couple of years I'll have a big buck roll into some of that. But mostly... It doesn't hold bucks at all, hardly. So primarily, I'm just on the public, jumping around. I'm really aggressive, so I think the public just gives me a lot of land to roam. Because when season opens, I'm more of an early season hunter. I'll go right in. I'll start checking all those bedding areas just on the outer edge, and I'll look for signs like scrapes, opening up, rubs. And then I'm like, start I usually have my cameras out, I don't know, August. I don't like to be in the woods and the month before Iowa opens, October. So all of September, I'll be out of state hunting. I don't like to put pressure on the deer because I'm going to go in right away and start hunting them. So I'll have camera intel going, and then I'll just spot check. And then if I see one open up that I want to get on, I'm usually on them right away. Because public land, if you're not going to hunt that deer, somebody else is going to go in there and blow it up. So I tend just to go straight in. I like to get within like 100 yards if possibly can of the beds and just cycle through. There's a lot of sit you don't see a deer, but when I see one, it's usually the right one. But this year I'm changing a lot of stuff because when you can hunt more, it's a whole different ballgame I learned.
0: Let's hold that because that is actually a question I've got. Okay. Like what you learned this season and what you're... Strategy is going to, what, what, you know, like a lesson you learned this year that's going to help you, you know, going into this coming season.
3: So let's hold that for a that's second. Cool. Didn't is want to interrupt you. Is it public clean in Iowa hunted pretty hard?
1: Uh, yeah. Door no road, it is. Yeah. Early season, not too bad, depends on where you're you're
0: supposed to say is hunted. There's thousands <laughs> of hunters. Every yes, summer. all the deer are dead. I killed so, them all. Sorry, yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah, so there's no reason to
3: come to Iowa. <laughs> it's still early. He's half asleep. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, there's we a all, big
1: well, influx uh, of public pressure now, just because all the guys are starting to draw from all the YouTube shows they yeah. watch. Mm-hmm. I think it's everywhere, too. Yeah, so it's like year five, so all the people that can draw their good zones are just They're just going straight to public. They used to go to Outfitters and find private land, but now they're just going the public route. So big uptick in pressure for sure.
2: What about you, Justin? Uh, I try to start the beginning of the year, um, just try to set my goals kind of with having a family. I've kind of gotten to the point where I really try to make my plans and try to stick to them
0: make it easier on me later down the
2: road for the wife, you know. Oh, Just, yeah. Uh, oh, that,
0: that's, a, that's an interesting point is there's a lot of guys that have young kids, yeah. wife, all that. It's a balance, right? It really
2: is, man. It's a whole added challenge. I think I would have had a, you know, and I'm not blaming my season on my kids or my family, but there was a lot of days I should have been in the woods and I wasn't able to because I'm being a dad. You of know? course. And that's more important to me, honestly. I mean, I love hunting. It's It's, you know, my life too, but. Um, yeah, so honestly for me, I want to plan my out-of-state hunts. I plan on scouting uh, public in, uh, you know, Illinois and Indiana. I'm close to there. So that's really my main objective. I want to try to kill at least one 150 or better in those in those areas on public. Yep. Um, I think there's a lot of, like, good overlook spots that I could access uh, through water, I'm kind of hoping. But, um, you know, it just seems to me from e-scouting. Yeah. So I'll go from there and then when I get into summer, man Kentucky can be brutal uh, with the uh, seed ticks, chiggers, whatever you want to call them and I try to stay the heck out of the woods around uh, around August. yeah, so I do most I try to get all my cameras out and get stuff set up around you know between June and July and it's brutal but I feel that you know I don't get those bugs near as bad around those time frames and then i'll make one last like big scout loop mission towards the you know last 2 weeks of august and get all the intel i have try to find the biggest buck in the area i hunt a mix of public and private yep. I-, I was fortunate to get some good farms but Man, it's, it's really tough, well, You had a poaching incident this year, didn't you? A though? couple, actually, yeah. Yeah, it was so. – I just – yeah, I had a rough season. Completely uh,
0: out of control, right? I mean –
2: Kind of, and, you know, nobody really wants to do anything about it, you know, and that's the the hardest thing for me. It's like you just got to take the punches and keep rolling with it. And um, What are the penalties
3: in Kentucky for poaching? Oh, it should be astronomical, but the problem is there's not enough fish and game to do anything about it. But, I mean, mean if they catch somebody. Like, well, in Ohio, if you get caught, you're paying – Oh, I would buy the inch, so. I would yeah, hope the but you thing. know,
2: the problem is there's so many people that don't <clears throat> have any money. It's like, okay, so they get in trouble, then what? You mm-hmm. know. I don't really think there's <clears throat> enough of a penalty where it really matters. And the problem I had is that you know, this might this might really ruffle feathers, but honestly, you know, some of these farmers are the worst things for deer. They're the ones that are out there talking to people in the small towns like Well, I need you to kill this deer. I need you to, you want to go kill some deer for me? And then they get this guy to go and just shoot deer, and they don't do a damn thing with them. They just let them lay. I went to go do a hanging hunt this year in the morning, and I came across two great, like, dead, you know, young bucks. On my walk to my stand in the dark. So, so because
0: they're eating their
2: crops and they want them out of there yeah, or they, they pretty just... much Well, i mean dude like the the deer density where we're at is not that crazy i mean i can tell you from a management perspective like it, these deer aren't overpopulated these farmers you know just have a heart on for wanting to kill every deer in the area so it, it's been a struggle this season um but i'm that's where i'm trying to pivot and just focus my time in different areas yep. and uh just Make a, cast a wider net yep. and try to find that that caliber deer I'm looking for,
3: Adam. Well, my my seasons basically for the last you know 15 to 20 years have been the same game plan, but it never seems to work out the way you want it to. You know, I hunt Ohio, Illinois, Kansas, and Canada just about every year, and I've hunted the same general. Farms and areas so I know the farms. I know from year to year, you know, I have a general idea of what Survived and what I'm going to be after, you know, and I've, I've got into doing you know more of the food plots and the Habitat enhancement and you know everything you can do to try to help them along but it's uh It never seems like it ever pans out. You know, it's always a strategic nightmare trying to plan stuff ahead of time and I'll I get, you know, stands hung in areas that are, you know, good spots from year to year, and you know, try to figure out specific animals. But my my ga- basic game plan going into the season is, you know, having a, at least one target buck, you know, in each area. I use a lot of cell cameras to monitor those spots out of state. I mean, that's really the only way you can do it efficiently, and basically wait on one of those deer to start making a mistake in daylight, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time really other than, you know, planning hunts around, you know, obviously a big guy moon guide follower, planning hunts around the red moon and sticking to that game plan for out of state hunts. The only time I'll stray from that is when, like I was gonna say, um, I got a big deer making a mistake during daylight on camera. Yep. Um At home, you know, I've had my own farm now for four or five years, and I got, you know, a really good idea on what's there and what I'm going to try to kill and focusing on that, you know, early season. Because I think, you know, early and late season when when they're on a strict feeding pattern is obviously the best time to focus on them, and that's when they're the most predictable and most patternable. And then I do a lot of my out-of-state hunting, you know, November, obviously, when deer are up moving more, but... Yeah, as far as a you know a specific plan for each animal, it's you know you never know what's going to happen. So many things change during season with the crops coming down, hunting pressure, you know different things. It's it seems like the more you try to plan for something specifically, just the game plan goes out the window. Yeah,
0: so th- th- you know that's the mentality. Not not to cut you off, but I, I think that's one of the reasons we love it so much mm-hmm. is because it's so dadgum hard Yeah, it's so hard to do this and you know we're at the shows right now and you, you hundreds of guys are coming up to the booth right some guys had an incredible season some guys had a terrible season right and and it, it's every every year is different as soon as you think you're the man and you got it all figured out get ready for the next year because it's gonna kick you right in the teeth so so it it, i think that's why we like it so much is that there's a there's a common interest there about the challenge
3: yeah and you know this is my 44th season bow hunting and it's so important to gather as much information as you can from different people every year because you never know one little thing that you pick up might be that one thing that you use to kill that deer you know that throws a a game wrench in your in your plan and you just You've just got to be able to adapt and to um, you know, use every tool available to you You know, when it comes to hunting these big deer. You just never know what they're going to end up doing. Yeah, they're
0: not unpredictable. They've got a say. You know, that, That's something a guy said years ago was you can do everything right. That deer has a say. He's not being forced to do anything. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants to do.
3: And like you said, that's what it's all about, man, the, the, the game and the chase and the challenge of, figuring out these big deer and, and, uh, that's, I would, I would rather spend the season doing that like I did this year than, you know, have somebody say, you know, you go into this farm and the stand at seven o'clock, this deer is going to come through and shoot it. You know, I like figuring them out
0: on your own. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think everybody here is a, is a DIY guy, you know, whether it's public, private, whatever, they're finding their own farms, doing their own habitat work, if, if any at all, On stands, on strategy, Uh, so it's a that that is the the game as as far as I'm concerned. Um, Doing it on your own, yeah. Tarif, different world, man. Texas, it um, is. But but it it, and it it is different. But you know, immediately when guys think of Texas, they think of South Texas, Mm. corn feeders, high fences. You know that that that's the vision a lot of people get
4: and th- that isn't accurate. No. Your, your area is almost Midwestern. Yeah, so you're not gonna see the cactus and the scrub brush and all the thorns and all that big hardwoods and crop, we get we have crops and stuff up there where I'm at. But starting out what I do is, you know, Texas is a bait state um, like several other states and that's always a big debate. But one thing that I've always, what started making me be even more successful was a lot of these guys that can bait, they start spending all their time over that bait. And I like to tell guys, you know, when guys come up and ask, well, hey, what are you doing? This and that. And sometimes I don't like giving all the good advice. Oh, yeah, yeah, out. yeah right. But let's just say during late summer when those deer are pounding that feeder, right? That protein feeder, whatever you have. In all reality, how much time are they spending at that feeder? That's what I tell guys. 10 minutes 15 minutes well the other 23 hours of the day and whatever so many minutes they're not just sitting somewhere and not moving and so yeah hey it, it's good to have those stations out and and give you your good supplement feed but when you can really start in it and it helps having cameras you can't I'll, I'll always say you can't ever have enough land and you can't ever have enough cameras and when you can start really figuring out what that deer is doing when he's not there or how to cut him off there going coming from there and leaving there you will start being more successful because like i said they're only spending such a small amount of time around that feeder and some guys get so caught up on well that's where i'm getting pictures of the deer i need to spend all my time there not to mention how alert those deer are coming into that stuff and uh so i do I, i do feed i feed all year round pretty much um And I believe that that's when I'm supplement feeding when nobody else is, I'm pulling deer in from everywhere. But the other big thing that I think really helps my success is, and I mean, and I've heard you say this several times is, man, I'm constantly trying to find land, whether it be, you know, for, for, uh, you know, my, my boss over here or whatever. (laughs) I'm constantly, I'm constantly trying to find land. And, and the reason why is, is you can't have enough of it. You're always going to be losing something, you know, and you don't want to be that guy that all of a sudden you lose a, a place or two and you're sitting there and don't have any. So I'm always looking for land. And uh, I've always told people the worst somebody can say is no. Yeah, you know, oh yeah ask. Yeah. And, um, for instance, you know, I have a place that I've had now 11 years, and I've sat there one time with a bow and I killed a 189-inch deer. And I still run cameras on that place and everything else. And because you just never know where that big bus going to show up. But, uh, so, yeah, my, my off-season is, is yes, I am scouting. I am, you know, picking out that deer that I got for next year and what's he doing and, and everything like that. But I'm also always trying to acquire land, mm-hmm. always trying to acquire land because, like I said, you just can't have enough of it. So, yeah. Um, Like I said, doing that, and I I will. I used to be one of those guys, and was talking about was talking about this yesterday with Adam. Is I was scared to shed hunt because I was one of those guys that I do not want my deer to know there's ever a human around. Well, I got to learn that. Hey, it's not as bad as what you think it is. They're still going to be in there, but so I, you know, I I do do the shed hunting. And now is the time where you're going to really see those trails where they're beating them down and everything before they're green up. And then, you know, I will do a little bit of turkey hunt. And then when we get in the summer, um, it's it's hell in Texas a lot. You know, it's really hot and stuff. But, you know, I usually already have some deer picked out, where I'm going to be, what I'm doing. All my stuff's pretty much in place. Maybe a stand or two needs to be moved or adjusted. And like I said, I'm always ready to make that move and do this. But my scouting and door knocking don't just stop before the season for instance this year that second buck that i killed um i was kind of after a different deer and he had went missing well i'm not just going to sit there and say well i hope he shows back up i'm moving i'm door knocking and i'm asking and i and i went to this place that i had no idea and if you look at it you would think it looks good on a map but you'd be like man there ain't gonna be no next thing you know i get permission and literally maybe 10 acres of it huntable and there's a couple of houses on the land and there was a a dog kennel place and everything well guess what boom i caught pictures of the deer that's been missing for a month and uh you know i was in there after him and the pretty much the i think i hunted a couple evenings before and got in there late i was just trying to situate what was going on how the deer were moving in there well, the first time to truly go in there to hunt, I kill a different buck that comes in. So, um, out I, of the way, new places. Correct. Yeah, always be looking. And, and when a deer goes missing, I like to be aggressive. I'm not gonna be like just totally aggressive on the place I'm, but constantly looking for new places. Uh, like I said, I just don't ever think you can have enough property. Absolutely. I mean, right. you you can't. And and uh, one big thing, and I was doing this, and I heard it on one of your podcasts one time is man these for sale signs are like money when you see this for sale. Call them, talk to them. A lot of times you'll, can pay their taxes, whatever their taxes are and reimburse, or I've had, uh, I picked up one place for, uh, for my brothers. The guy had been, had no idea you could get like an ag exemption through wildlife management stuff and I'm like, hey, I'll take care of that for you if you let us hunt, sure. And I mean, boom, I picked up this property that, you know, they've killed a couple of bucks off of. And uh, all that guy wanted was, hey, help me out with my tax exemption, you know. So uh, always be thinking outside, like, when it comes to that, on trying to find new properties. And, and man, uh, the more property you have, the better chance you have the big a big buck on, on one of those. So that that's what I concentrate on. But I do have some, you know, some hammers that I have my eye on that, you know, that's what I'm going to be going after. But always looking for the next one. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right, let's change up the order a little bit. <clears throat> one thing, <clears throat> excuse me, one thing that you picked up this season, mistake maybe you made, idea you got, nit, nugget of information you learned that you're going to implement into this year.
3: Hayes, you want to start? Sure. Sure. I am um, I've been working on trying to set my farm up the last few years and something I think I really realized this year was that you know, I've got I Basically have the food, you know, it's pretty much an evening set I don't have access to the bedding area and I think what I noticed this year was that I Need a I think they refer to it as like a feathered feathered edges, you know, because I go basically from the timber to my food plots and I've said, I don't know how many times I sat back there this year and I just felt like it's too open. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the mature deer, I had a couple mature deer that would come out pretty regularly, but the buck that I was after, one of the most nocturnal bucks I've ever hunted, showed up one time in daylight. And I just felt like I've got the food and all the deer are coming out, but I don't feel like the mature bucks feel comfortable enough when they come out. And I think I need to add cover to it around the edges, so I'm planning on putting some kind of like a quail strip around the edge of everything. And the more people I talk to over the years, there's a there's a very common theme going on that people are just over managing their property. They're creating these perfect properties with all the food and everything. 98% of the deer want, but it's not the not the deer you want to kill. Yep, you know. Those, that 2% of the deer in the herd that you want to kill don't want to be around all those deer for you know 50 weeks out of the year you know and no matter where you hunt the the cover the CRP that's always where you find the big deer so I'm thinking I need to back off a little bit of what I've got as far as food goes put a little bit more cover so you know when you're out there in the food plot it's not like an arena and you know you're just out in the wide open I want it to, to add more cover around the edges and you know, make it feel a little bit more secluded so maybe they, they feel a little safer coming out in the yep. open.
0: Yeah, that, that, that old man doesn't like going to the, to the shopping mall, the crowded teeny bopper shopping mall. When mm-hmm. you create that shopping mall where everybody wants to go, that old man, he's like, man, I ain't going in there. I'll go in there and find a girl every now and again, maybe at night. But, yeah, you, you break it up and, and get more... I mean, so that, that seems to be a real universal thing. You know, Chris Seymour, you know, he, he's an outfitter in Kansas and has probably seen as many giant deer as, as anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, got, he's got thousands of acres that he runs cameras on and everything else. And we had him on the podcast, and I asked him, I said, what is the one piece of habitat that you would look for for a big deer and the first I mean it wasn't I didn't even finish the sentence and he said CRP yeah immediately that that higher growth CRP four to six feet high where they can get in there and they feel
3: totally safe that was the habitat that he would look for I've hunted everywhere from Ohio to Alberta you know and it doesn't matter where you're at that's where you find the big deer CRP CRP. so I think you have you want to have just enough food that you don't run out that the deer don't wipe it all out, and probably more cover. Yeah. I think if you've got better cover than your neighbor, you're probably going to hold mature deer. The guys manage these farms, and they've got the most beautiful manicured farms you've ever seen in your life, but their neighbors are the ones killing the big deer. Yeah. You know, because those big deer are out on the edges and the outskirts of that stuff. Yep. They don't want to be around all those deer, so.
0: No, that makes good sense. Justin? just to relate with adam
2: on that i made a mistake in my own property and i decided to make a big food plot and cut out about two acres of you know tall like not crp grass but like almost frag grass first year i lived there had tons of mature deer second year hardly any and i'm learning that like i need to go back and you know plant some of these cover grasses and limit the amount of food plot I have in that that open area because it it totally changed the the way these deer use that property but it's almost like the cover is more important than the food it is it, and I had so many more daylight pictures of good bucks uh, using it too which is really surprising to me yeah um, I didn't when we had obtained our property they didn't have anything going on at all they basically just uh, imagine a big power line and these deer were just living in the power line yeah. I found out you know later on but i would say the you know to get back to your question um the biggest thing i took away this year was like you know how Tarif had said like not having enough property i think in my head i i got a, a nice lease this year and i had like kind of talked myself into this was going to be the spot like i was going to kill in this area and then as the season progressed i've you know just never found i found one deer that was good but it was a nocturnal picture, and I, I just don't think that deer was living in on that farm. He was just, you know, cruising through. And uh, a couple of the other farms, it's like you got to have property. I like that's my biggest objective. I think is to, but beyond scouting public, to try to lock in some other small properties on it. Me and Tarif were talking the other night about just, you know, it doesn't matter if it's ten acres, man. Like diversify. You, get, you get diversify, that right, right? Yeah, yeah. and. And I was really good uh, younger, you know, in my beginning of my hunting career, like knocking on hundreds of doors. And, you know, now that I live in Kentucky, I feel like there's more good people and more open to, to hunting than there were like in Maryland where I had actually grown up. And I don't know, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, uh, it's I, I love being able to scout new ground and hunt new ground and figure a place out, so... Yeah, that's my that's my big takeaway. Not
0: stacking all your eggs in one basket. I want to have at least
2: yeah, I want to have at least like three quality bucks to go after. That's kind of I'd be happy with that. That way I can rebound and you know if I blow blow it on this one I can yep hop right on the other one and I just want to get it done early this year.
4: Ten four three. I love it when I keep hearing y'all CRP and stuff. We just call that a pasture. In Texas. Grown up pasture, yeah. <laughs> and that's where I like to be. You know, is is that stuff just grown up and everything? But one thing I think I'll uh, try to do. I'll, obviously, I've been, uh, I say lucky, um, but Mm-mm. you know, it, you're lucky. Being hum- you're being good, humble. But the thing is, is you know, one thing that I would like to maybe try to do is, as I've always just targeted one buck. Um, you know, in in the two counties I hunt. And this year, I'll call him kind of a surprise buck, you know. But, uh, you know, I I tagged out, and um, both of my bucks was in November. And next thing you know, you know, just a few weeks later, I started getting pictures of that other deer that I would have, you know, that I was kind of the spot where I found that was as a crow flies, four miles away. And then I'm in there my first time hunting, and then this other buck comes in, and I kill him. But... Try to maybe, you know, be a little bit more. As I want to even maybe step up my game just a little bit more to where it's like, hey, yeah, that's a shooter, but I'm gonna let that one go because I was targeting this one. And uh, but you know, even me, I'm still I like to call myself young at 37. But and and I've killed, I've been very fortunate to to kill some great bucks. But um, you know to try to, you know, follow more, like, you know, Adam will sit there and let 170 inch deer walk by sometimes, you know, and- uh, He didn't dish <laughs> it. <laughs> but, you know, I, maybe try to to be a little bit more patient and, and give it a little bit more time and, uh, you know, uh, to try to maybe target that, that other specific animal I was going, even if something else comes in, if it's not just, wow, well, that much greater. But, you know, also, you know, it is a little pressure when you're hunting for a TV show oh, to, yeah. to get some footage and and lay something down. But uh, an easy way to accomplish that is to let your buddy come down, yeah. shoot those really good deer, and you hold off for the great. Yeah, deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Problem solved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had that problem on the big eight that I killed this year. Adam was like, "Well, why don't you just save that one for me and you wait for that other one to show?" It. Well, what if it don't ever show? You know, mm-hmm. but but anyways, I you know I. We're always learning, um, and like I said, I'm uh, and I love listening to other guys and 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 the d- different ideas because it, it is different habitat, different kind of how we hunt. But yeah, I guess that would be my thing is be maybe a little bit more patient, um, even though I've I've had great success and and to just you know hunt hunt further into the year. Yeah, but but one thing I am going to do is I am going to put in for Kansas. I'm going to try to go hunt hunt up with Seymour and stuff like that. So. You know that that ought to help me too, being able to maybe bounce somewhere else. So,
0: so you 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 know making it relatable because you're in a super unique uh, position, but making it relatable to say a guy in South Georgia. I'm just throwing that out there as a random spot. You, you're saying, man, if you if you've got a what what you you would concentrate on is if you've got a target buck, uh-huh. stay the course.
4: Of course, stay yeah.
0: the course, stay the yeah. course, stay the course, because even as you can Adam as you can attest to uh, it can happen on that target buck the the last 2 days of the season yep. like Illinois last year for, mm-hmm. for you you killed that giant and you passed a ton of deer and all the way to, so stay stay yep. the course stay the course follow your goal don't compromise. That let, that would be. Yep. Let your buddies help you out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> we got a lot of buddies on this couch that would be happy to come to the boat. Well, Bo you know, Florida I did have
4: that. For instance, there was one deer this year, he was super killable. Got some great footage of him, super mature. And I'm like, hey, Adam, What do you think about this one? I mean, he's, a, you know, hundred mid hundred fifty inch buck. Nah, you know, so you know. <laughs> Texas is a long
3: drive for a 150. <laughs> what a snob. What an absolute
0: snob. Uh, all right, Rendell, what about you, buddy?
1: So, man, I learned a lot of stuff, just hunting a lot more. Totally different world arena. Um, so, like I said, I do all the early season hunting, and I talk a couple of I know a lot of guys in the industry I talk to pick people's brains. I feel like I never want to get stuck in one thing. So I'm always learning and I'm willing I'm willing to destroy a season sometimes <laughs> just to try like new tactics and things. But uh one guy was like, "You're going to get burned out, man. You're going to get burned out." And I just didn't listen to him. So I was like, September I'm in 105 degrees and then I'm in October and I'm going every day, and then man, you do <laughs> mentally, and you get <clears throat> got the EHD. Man, that wiped out all my target bucks. That was heartbreaking. Dead deer everywhere. So now I'm just like I got too stubborn, I think, and I just dug my heels in, and I'm like I'm gonna will myself to find a buck to kill in Iowa, and then I was bouncing out of state to do some other hunts, but I learned that early season hunter. If you're targeting because targeting mature deer versus just hunting is totally different game like just hunting is a lot easier if you're targeting that older mature deer and you're hunting early season it is so many hours miles of scouting so to think you're going to jump to three or four states early season and just knock down like three or four mature bucks probably is not happening yeah, at it's all easy to spread yourself yeah yeah. yeah so Changing that to just focusing on Iowa, which I think I'm gonna to have to shift my range, go further out, just because of EHD. There is some research and some opinions that say, like I passed some really good deer in Iowa, because I was chasing some, well, you know, just holding out, you know. That the deer really blow up. The competition for resources isn't there anymore, so the deer that do live just explode, so I wanna keep tabs on a lot of that, but I'm gonna to go to different areas of Iowa. Put in the work, and then a uh, the guy you always talk about, Bobby Worthington. I've really been diving into his uh, philosophies, and he has a lot of similar thoughts and things to what I think. But he all transitions. He's a more of a rut guy, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I'm a horrible rut hunter. I move way too much. I do all that mobile hunting stuff with the saddles and the tree stand, and uh, he really believes in, like, funnels and persistence and setting up. And I'm, like, half a day in the rut, and I'm gone to another one, and I'm here, and I'm all over. So I think I'm almost too mobile, even early season. I am I think I move around way too much. Like, I'm not giving it really time. And the public land aspect's a little weird because I feel like I got a lot of pressure to get in there first. So sometimes, you know, I make mistakes. I might blow the deer out instead of waiting. But I do notice, like, you see way more deer during the rut. It's just a fact. Yep. So I think, um, pacing yourself out of the gate, like September, maybe go do something fun like mule deer hunt or whatever, and just kind of pace through and not hunting every single day of the season too. That, a was, marathon, not a race. <laughs> that was brutal. Damn. Body conditioning. Whoa. Like man hunting every day. what a hell of a grind, especially what I do. Like hiking in miles and miles out every day, all weather conditions. Some of the equipment I was running really jacked me up. So, uh, equipment variables, learned that. Like, probably during a rut, you don't want to sit in the saddle for 140 hours, you know, 10 hours a day, two or three weeks in a row. Probably want to sw- switch it up. So, I got a tree stand now. Yep. So, inter- integrating that and then just learning all phases. Because when you. You know, when you're more blue collar and you can only hunt every so many days, you don't get burned out as much. The mental aspect, because the mental game—I mean, you know—I tend to be kind of negative, I guess. <laughs> no, so, no way. Yeah. not the big guy. So when you're I not believe that when you're not fresh mentally and you're hunting big deer, you're gonna have issues. Yep. Because when I started getting burned out, I started making really dumb mistakes. I wasn't because you gotta be locked in every single sit, and after a while. Man, you just get mentally burned out.
2: Start second-guessing
4: yourself. Yeah. You're just going yeah. through the motions yeah. then.
1: And then I'm just chasing my tail because I'm like, oh, this isn't working out. What am I doing wrong? And then you start going through all these rabbit holes. But, yeah, pacing yourself. And then learning just all the phases, like, late season through all that. You know, they're all totally different games. So, like, all my vacation time before, I'd just put it early season. And then... You know, I'd just mostly work through the rest of the year and just hunt when I could. So now it's like I can do it all the time. So it's like, all right. Figuring out what that looks like. And what states you want to hunt and stuff like that. I jumped all over. It wasn't very efficient in where I hunted. So now I'm mapping it out where it's just short runs out. So if I got a camera somewhere and I noticed something, I can just make a quick run out instantly. Like I got too honed in. on like, I got to kill in this state before I leave. And then it doesn't, it's, man, three weeks in, you're just stuck in this state. And you're like, all oh, right, well, this other state was hot and I was here and it sucked, but I could have killed over here if I would have been there. Yeah. So it's like trying to draw Kansas, hunting Iowa, starting, I want to hunt Illinois now every year, trying to get like in Oklahoma and maybe some, you know, a couple other states. We talked about like chasing the rut. Yep. Dropping down like.
0: Don't you know. say it. <laughs> Don't say Somewhere
1: it. out in the ocean somewhere. Yes. Iceland or something, yes. but <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, chasing the rut, you know. <laughs> stuff like that. Um, money. So I pretty much hunted on like thirty dollars for three weeks in November. Which That's was, all gonna change. We're, we're at the Harrisburg good. show. You
0: gonna sell more ICO in the next seven, eight days? And so
1: yeah, just like Bill
0: your coffers up.
1: I was like, oh man, it won't be that expensive, but man, gas. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Casey's pizza, peanut <laughs> M&Ms, energy drinks. Man, that adds up. Plus your other bills. I'm like, God,
0: licenses.
1: Yeah, licenses is another thing I didn't think about. Pl- Staying like. And sleeping in the back of your vehicle—I mean, it just sucks. I ain't gonna lie. Like, <laughs> and then you encounter other things because I hunt mostly public, so then that adds a whole new aspect. Because he spends a lot of time knocking on doors, and I—I I do not like that. I don't like—I don't want to deal with people. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I know, yeah, he's know. the sales
0: manager for trade <laughs> you don't shows. Know right.
1: like, <laughs> I didn't see that on the resume. <laughs> but yeah, he, he knows what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> like I know some exactly. Guys are really How thoroughly
3: did you go <laughs> uh, no, yeah, yeah. out there?
1: The you know like, you're going to no. have to talk to people to sell yeah, stuff. Yes, yeah, exactly. don't drive on my fields. Don't. You can only hunt on these days. Or the guy gets mad at you because you kill a big deer and he kicks you off. Or his second cousin Bobby Joe's sister gets access because you killed a big deer. I tier. guess what? Then you just move to the next. Yeah, place. you don't right. kill but it. But to me, it's like a lot of time to Damn. do. it. So I put my more time into scouting. Yeah. And just deal with all the yahoos on public land, <laughs> which is—I don't know how I do that. Yeah. I just have patience for that for some reason. But they do mess up a lot of. I've had a lot of hunts destroyed, and I've been on big bucks, and they get blown out and stuff. That's the public land game. Yeah, so it's just finding. It's the same thing he's doing. Just finding as much land as possible. But public land, I feel like I'm just free to roam. I yeah. can show up when I want, hunt when I want. I kind of know what other people. Sometimes you're hunting people, not you know, you're not shooting them. But.
4: Tariq <laughs> hunts people. Yeah. Hey, I've yeah, actually got but you're some property that way, but. Catching poachers yeah. You're just
1: huh? you're you know, you're seeing what they're doing, what the pressure's doing, when the pressure is. It's mostly during a rut. So getting in early, like I said, can be an advantage, but out of state scouting I think I'm gonna switch towards more like that Bobby Worthington style. Really focusing on that this year, uh, picking his brain, just running in and identifying like funnels and stuff. Cause 'Cause man, that's weight to me that's super easy, like e scouting, you fly mm-hmm. right in check the funnel and then he adds in like mock scrapes i already do that stuff so i was like all right and just i think if you're gonna rack deer up running the rut is the best is just gonna be a way to do it because late season stuff early seasons takes too much effort and time to get on them deer so all the deer are moving during the rut so i think just bouncing around all the country running the rut i think that's where because i mean i've done the whole just chasing giants all season but i feel like Man, I just want to stack up five or six bucks in a season to see if I can do it. Yeah. So I want to switch to more of that rut game.
0: Ten four. So doing doing it may be relatable because a lot of guys aren't able to hunt the whole you know four months and five months of the season. But a guy that's got you know a, a two hundred acre farm that he's got access to in South Carolina. Again, just throwing out random places here. Your your advice to him would be. Don't burn yourself out early. Yeah, you know it, it, that—that's something that I see a lot of. Is—is is our season opens August fifteenth, and guys are chomping at the bit, and it's a hundred degrees, it's ninety percent humidity, and they want to get out there and hunt regardless because the season is in. So, so you're saying don't burn yourself out those first two weeks, and then you're 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 dropping the ball when it gets good, when it, when it gets to be the rut. Yeah, go get your fix, get your fix, right? You got to get it. Get your fix in, but relax, because the good – I mean, yes, early season can be incredible. I've killed a ton of deer on the first three days of the season. But the good stuff's coming. You know, the the, the rut, when they're swollen up, they're chasing, they're fighting. So don't – that would be your message is don't burn yourself out.
1: Yeah, or the property. If you have private land and you're watching a giant buck and he's not not daylighting, I would go hunt public land, Mm -hmm. burn that up, do whatever you want to get your fix, and then save that buck for when your best odds are, which is usually when, last week, October, yeah, 100%. during the rut, or late season, like Adam was saying. Or if he does daylight early, that's your key. Like if he's coming bed yeah. to food, food to bed, it's the best time to pattern. That's why I love early season. I can figure that chess match. It's not the rut to me is more random. Like you know, the guy just rolls out, didn't scout all season. Sits on a bucket somewhere and shoots a two hundred. I mean, what the heck's going on here? Yep. You know, but early season, you know, I can roll. It takes a lot more precise. You know, you're playing that whole game, and that the game to me is the favorite part of hunting,
4: without a doubt. Well, well, that's where, you know. Not trying to sponsor the moon gut or anything here, but hey, get in there when the time's right. I, you know, Adam has always preached that. and and I truly believe in it, is your best time to kill that deer is the first time in. And that doesn't mean Adam don't – it's not that he's sitting at home not hunting on those other days. He's hunting lower-pressured stands or something where he's not going to burn something out. So, you know, him speaking as to having a family and stuff, you know, my daughter just turned six, but my success started getting even more successful when I did have a kid and everything and really had to plan out Hey, what's my best times to hunt? And I've hunted li- lower hours mm-hmm. and I've been more successful mm-hmm. by going in only when it's right, you know. So that, that's a really tough so part of hunting big deer
3: is actually not, not hunting the, them the until you got everything yeah. stacked in your favor,
4: yeah. 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 And, and I get it. A lot of guys, if they've never had a picture of a giant buck, man, they're like, Oh my god, I gotta get in there killing war. I'm like, When am I gonna kill him, you know? And mm-hmm. so. I mean, and that's where that moon god, I'm t- talking, I plan right now my vacation out around that red moon. And that doesn't mean, oh, all of a sudden he starts daylighting, oh, well, no, I'm not going to, no, I'm going to go in, but plan your vacation around the moon god, or your out of state hunts around that moon god, and, and less is more, the, 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 the first time ends your best time to kill that deer.
3: Why do all this work, traveling around, you know, everything you go through every year, to find a deer, to scout, figure him out, find the best place to kill him, and you know the right place, only to go in there at the wrong time and screw it up. Know? Yeah, and screw it up because every time you go in and you don't get it done, it just keeps getting tougher and tougher. Yeah, because they're going to start picking up on this and that and the other thing. You know, I think it's all about finding the right place and then going in at the right time. And yep. you know, the weather. Everybody pays attention to the weather, the wind. You need to be paying attention. the moon just as much any of those factors can get a big deer up on a steep moving. but it's when you start combining the right wind the right moon the right weather pattern on a specific night you get two or the three of those factors lined up on the same night that's when things get bloody i I seem to have like this battle in my head and i'm sure some of you guys
2: can relate about everybody pushes being aggressive being aggressive you what are you going to do you seen that deer do this are you going to sit on your ass and wait for him or are you going to go make it happen and i have a hard time and i know Rendell can relate to this with having a freedom of a schedule like i've kind of created my job situation so i can hunt more and i think it's hurting you know it's hurting me because it's like okay well i'm available to hunt this this evening and it's good the weather's favorable the moon might be right and then you know i think i'm putting too much time in it sometimes when i need to be sitting back and it's like how do you balance that like I know Adam you have probably had a a more flexible
3: schedule than some other people like I'm not I'm not saying don't hunt when everything's not lined up but like like Tarif was talking about when you know where you need to be to kill that deer Mm -hmm. wait until you've got a good wind or a good moon or a combination of things that's gonna increase activity for that night before you go in if it's not if everything's not lined up I'm not sitting at home watching TV I might be you know hunting at another farm another deer or in an observation stand, a few hundred yards away from a spot, watching it develop, you know, yeah. trying to pick up on something. Mm-hmm. Or, or that's a good time for family, yeah. right? Yeah, you,
0: you know, I mean, you you talked about young kids, young right. family. You know, if it's if it's not right, there's your balance, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, I got a giant in here, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> the conditions aren't right to kill him. Yeah, yeah, and so and I'm I, not d- saying I'm going to push it
2: if the conditions yeah. aren't perfect. But like, I had a battle this year with this this one buck I wanted to kill, and it's like. The wind's in my favor, but he's using the farm where the wind's in his favor, and mm-hmm. he's hunting the opposite end. Well, the weather's only good for a couple of days, and then the wind's shifting around. Like, okay, do I get aggressive and go push it, or do I wait for that wind to be perfect? And then that wind might never be perfect. So what do you do? You you know you, you throw it at him. Do the you hunt
3: winds that are good for you or winds that are good for
2: the I, deer? I've meat? been trying to kill this deer more. For when the wind was good for him yeah and yeah. it just didn't work out like and and the hardest thing i had was hunting a food source and trying to to catch him imagine the food sources in a rectangle and you're the bedding is on the north end and i'm trying to, i've got to let all them deer get past me and he's the last one to come out so it's a it's a high risk <laughs> high reward situation mm-hmm. and like it's risk management it, it, oh. yeah yeah, all of it is is risk right. management.
3: Right, you got to find his weak spot. Right,
2: Well, it's it's hard, man. I I feel well, like it's not easy. Yeah, these yeah. deer, this especially this buck, he bedded all over the freaking place, and it's like, well, oh, this is where he's bedded. You you know, he was th- he's there every once in a while, but he ain't there every day. No, that that is yeah,
1: it's not like cookie cutter bedding. No, like they're, mm-hmm. they they in a lot more spots than what mm-hmm. people yeah. think. Because what I do is I find the best. Of the best beds that sets up where it's almost impossible to hunt and then I know okay there's gonna be a mature buck here mm-hmm. and then killing that deer it's just super hard because there's no you got to find that chink in the armor and that's pretty tough it is it, but based it, it, on it. off of what he was saying I think it's all experience like when you can hunt more it's you got to learn that all right when I was only could hunt three days a week I hunted no matter what any weather Wind and then now that I can hunt all the time. It's like you almost feel pressure to go Yeah, like dang I could be hunting right now. What the hell am I doing? Mm -hmm. You know and all your buddies are like, oh you get to hunt every day. Why are you home? You know you should be out hunting and then you got the pressure to kill stuff because you know Supposed to be a big buck killer. So you should be killing (laughs) giants every year, you know every state you go to So all your buddies are hitting you up. Where's your deer man? So you got like social pressure on top of that, and you're just like, all right. But like, he was saying, transitioning into, because I've noticed a lot of the guys that hunt all the time, talk what Adam was saying, hunt less but hunt wait and like he was hunt more efficient, mm-hmm. and knowing waiting for that right time to slip in, without blowing it up and ruining your chance. Like Bobby Worthington said in the podcast, like usually doesn't even hunt until October twenty fifth.
3: Yeah, I mean you gotta hunt smarter, harder. Yep. There's a time (laughs) to hunt hard. November, it's all about timing the tree. Other than that, outside of that, you gotta just hunt smart. Selected.
0: Ten four. All right, we're gonna shift complete gears from from tactics and talk equipment, because on Mission Whitetail, we we love to talk about equipment. Um, and while I've got you guys here, I think it'll be interesting for the listeners to talk arrow and broadhead. So simple question. I think, simple answer. Tarif, maybe we'll start with you. Are you a heavy era guy, a light era guy, and are you a mechanical broadhead guy or a fixed blade broadhead
4: guy? I'm kind of a medium. Medium weight. weight. Do you know Uh, your weight by chance? Yeah, my hunting setup is 453 grains. Yeah, I I I would say that's
0: on the the moderate to lighter side. Yeah,
4: and uh, fixed blade
3: all the way. Fixed blade all the way. Radical broadhead. Adam. Out of 450 grain, about as light as I can get w- for my whitetail setup yep. with a fixed head, I go to about 650 for elk, mm-hmm. you know, bare, heavier, yep. but yeah, strictly 450 grain, fixed blade head. Yep.
2: 500 grain arrow, I uh, like the small diameter shafts that are a little bit thicker. Um, I feel like 500 is that perfect medium for whitetail. I took an elk with it this year, too, which is great. A giant elk, by the way. Congratulations you, again. I've said you. that like 15 times. I appreciate it. I remember you. when I got
0: that picture. Good gosh, <laughs> that was a
2: heck of a bull. No, thank you, man. And I've I've been a huge fan of the QAD Exodus head for a long time. But Rendell talked me into trying the uh, the G5 Mega Meat. So I'm excited to try to take one with that this year for gotcha. next season.
1: Rendell? 500 grain full shaft, and I like the micro diameter arrows too. Mm-hmm. And then I run either the G5 dead meats or the mega meats.
3: Yep. What's your draw length? Like 52 or something? No, 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 no. It's like <laughs>
1: almost 33. No way. Yeah, I'm like 32 and three yeah. quarters or something. Full shaft. Yeah, <laughs> full shaft arrows. Full arrow. shaft. Hmm.
4: Speed is key, in Speed. my opinion, when it's dealing with Watto. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: that, that's, that's, to me, that's pretty neat. Um, we, we t- Today's trend, or, or I think it's actually starting to, the pendulum starting to swing back a bit, has, has been heavy, 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 heavy. Uh, and, and I've never been a proponent of that. Anybody that listens to this podcast knows that. And, and it, th- there are... Some serious big buck killers sitting on this couch. <clears throat> Every single one of them is less or, or, 500, or five hundred, say yeah. five five hundred or less yeah. on their total arrow weight. And then broadhead. Um, you know, I've always said you you can debate both sides of that. I completely understand why you shoot a fixed blade. I completely understand why you shoot a mechanical. And there's arguments for both sides of that. But synonymous in the group, five hundred or less on, on the arrow weight. And, and that's from elk um, you know that, that you shoot, but, but we're specifically talking about whitetail here. and I think it's a, a trajectory thing and a speed to the animal thing.
4: Well your, your test yeah. that you did was the best <laughs> test I've seen done with all that compressed cardboard. Yeah, you, I mean there's no way to manipulate it to be one way or another and speed was better. Well, so that that's
0: you know I don't have a dog in that fight. Yeah. Um, you know Mission Whitetail, Joe Miles. We're not sponsored by a broadhead company. We're not sponsored by an arrow company, and there's there's nothing wrong with being sponsored by an arrow company or a broadhead company. I didn't. I, I wanted to know. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the the weight of the arrow because every every arrow company makes arrows from three hundred and fifty to you know you can mm-hmm. get them seven fifty build out. So I wanted to know really is this heavy thing the way to go because we saw so much of it. And for whitetail, now, if I'm hunting a hippopotamus in Tanzania, <laughs> right. then, then, then maybe I do need a 1,000-grain shaft because I, I do believe you can get a little bit more penetration out of a heavier arrow. But for whitetail, man, the way they jump Speed. the string and, and the trajectory yeah. in woods when you've got limbs to shoot over and all that, it, it's eye-opening. I did a test where we shot a paper jig, and we shot a 450 versus a 650, and we got out to 60 yards. I couldn't get the jig high enough for the arc no. of that 650 grain air, I couldn't even show it. Mm-hmm. We, we had it on tires and bricks and you know, it, it was 20 feet up in the air because we, we set it up at the halfway point at 30 yards. Yeah, and if
1: you have a giant buck rolling in the rut, running in, and you don't have time to get up there and range him, I don't want to be off by three yards and totally Correct. miss the buck. Correct. Correct. Absolutely right.
0: Guys, I wanted to hit one more question and maybe we can do it ultra, ultra quick. Uh, because we're we're up to an hour and we got to get to the show. Everybody's got to get to the booth. If you had to shoot a 150-inch deer next season, which is a a lot of us sitting here or or looking at trying to find a deer like that or bigger, so so maybe this isn't the the absolute best question, but where would you go and when would you go there? You've got one place to go. Only one one place to go, and you've got a 7, eight, seven
1: to 10-day vacation to go do it. Rendell, fire away. I'd go to Iowa, probably zone 5. The Let me write that down. <laughs> third week in November, right before Thanksgiving.
2: Uh, probably a favorite farm I got in Kentucky uh, between November 4th to the 10th. house. <laughs>
4: Adam's not even putting his camo on. <laughs> uh, uh, probably home. Ohio? Yeah, probably home. I'd go to one of my farms, and uh, I would be there that first week of November is what I like. So that's, that's
0: pretty darn interesting. Everybody sitting here except me is going to stay at their home place and, and, and hunt the deer right there at home. Obviously, I am not going to get on a 150 in the state of yeah. South Carolina, so if it was me... Um, and we got a lot of southern guys that listen to this. And tags aren't an issue. Like, I know I'm going to get drawn. I'm headed to a rut funnel in Kansas from November 7th to the 17th. That would be my 10-day. I, would I thought you
4: were going to pick South Texas.
0: Hmm. You're automatic down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is good down there. <laughs> um, Mexico? Kansas is your yeah, favorite, huh? <laughs>
3: Kansas is my favorite, <laughs> for sure. Nobody yeah. said South Carolina. Nobody <laughs> said South Carolina. <laughs> <you> imagine that.
0: <laughs> Boys, thank you all very much. appreciate this more than you know. I, I think this provided a lot of value for guys, and we, we ought to do this again sometime. Um, maybe we can do it by a Zoom call or something like yeah. that
4: would be so to Head here. up the Osseo booth, add moon guide booth. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Guys, y- yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, thank you. Good deal, boys. Enjoyed it.